0: Two questions. Will Giannis stay or leave the Milwaukee Bucks? And if he does stay, do the Bucks have the talent around him for him to go forward and win an NBA championship? Also, and more importantly, thank you, Celtics and Raptors, for a great series. It's the NBA cipher. Let's go. Styles make fights. That's what they say in boxing. I believe that to be true, though, in all sports, which is why when I saw that the Raptors and the Celtics were going to meet in the second round, I couldn't pick that series. I said it was a pick You're talking about two teams that are completely different in how they go about playing the game, how they run their offenses, and how they both play defense. Think about the depth of the Raptors. Even in this series, you've got six guys in double digits. Lowry, 21 points. Van Fleet, 18. Siakam, 15. Anubi, 12. Ibaka, 12. Norman Powell at 11. That's what the Raptors do. Nick Nurse runs a motion offense. They like to play at a certain speed. The ball moves, but their shot makers are usually Lowry and Van Fleet. I know Siakam is their best all-around player, but he's really not that fluid an offensive player. At his best is when he's in the open floor or when he can post up. But the way that Jalen Brown and other Boston defenders have been playing him, he's got a bad habit of every time he catches the ball in the post, he dribbles the ball. He brings it down. Whenever you're a big and you catch the ball in the post, The moment you bring the ball down, you make yourself small. He's got to catch the ball, make a decisive move, and attack. Less dribbling, more attacking once you're in the paint. This has been a great series. Boston looked like they were going to run away with this series. They're up 2-0. First two games of the series, Jason Tatum clearly shows you that he's the best player in this series. And he still is. Game three, Boston has total control of the game. And they lose it within the last minute. OG, a newbie, makes a great game-winning shot to win game three. That propels the Raptors into game four. They win game four. Game five, the Celtics bounce back. They blow out the Raptors, and then in game six, in a back-and-forth double overtime thriller, the Raptors find a way. It's, been, it's just been a great series. If you're a basketball fan, it's a great series. If you're a Raptors or Celtics fans, it's probably driven you all kinds of crazy. But the greatness, the best part of sports, when you're talking about hockey or baseball, or more importantly, the NBA, Game 7. The intensity of a Game 7. The only difference is, because this is a unique situation, maybe this might be the best kind of Game 7 because there is no true home court advantage. This game is going to come down to not just the talent and the players, but two very good coaches who have made adjustments throughout this series. I love the way Brad Stevens has decided to guard Siakam and just attack him every time he's in the post. Or even when he's away from the basket, the defenders are attacking his handle because he doesn't have a very strong handle. I also like the way Nick Nurse has made adjustments, the way he's been more physical with Jason Tatum off the ball, shown him different looks, trapped him, the way they've trapped Kimball Walker, not to mention how physical they've been with Kimball Walker off the ball, and inserting OG Anubi into the lineup, going small, playing him at center, I thought that was brilliant. It made you faster. It made you more athletic. And when Boston goes to that high screen and roll, Anubi is much quicker. He can play it much better than Marc Gasol, who's clearly gotten older, lost a step or two, and just can't play in space anymore. This is a great series in a complete way. You've got great players, you've got great coaches, and you have two teams that have no quit in them. I'm still not calling this. The only thing I'm hoping for is is that game seven is as good or better than game six. Let me start this out by saying salute to the Miami Heat. In Heat Nation, if you all thought that I insulted your team by saying that Milwaukee would beat Miami in six games, don't feel insulted or disrespected. It's because I thought Miami was a tough matchup that it would be a six-game series, maybe even seven. So when we see and witness what we saw throughout five games, like I said, I got to give credit where credit is due. Miami was clearly the better team. Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler, was the best player in this series. You could make a case that Goran Dragic, along with Bam Adebayo, were the second and third best players in this series. I was really impressed not just with Miami's quickness on offense, but the way they rotated and switched and covered on defense. Jay Crowder has been one of the better defenders in the NBA for a long time. But when you tell me Jay Crowder is going to shoot 43% from three, give you 15 points a game, six rebounds, along with his defense, that's an X factor that I didn't see coming. Look, that's not the lone reason why Milwaukee lost. Milwaukee lost, like I said, because Miami – Straight outplayed them. They outworked them. Jimmy Butler, again, was the best player in the series. I came in before the playoffs started and told everybody, yes, I acknowledge that Miami, the Raptors, or Celtics were tough matchups for the Bucks because they had perimeter talent that Milwaukee lacked. I still thought the Bucs would beat the Heat because of their size. I thought that their size, I thought that their depth would be too much for Miami, and I was wrong. The fact that Miami spread them out and kind of utilized that against them, people will point to what Brooke Lopez averaged around 16 points a game, and he did. He shot the ball well throughout the series if you just go by the numbers. But what I would say is you have to look at everything and – Every time they put him in space, they got whatever they wanted. And when they put Eric Bledsoe in screen and roll and attacked him, they got whatever they wanted. I I know a lot of people are big on Eric Bledsoe. I've never been one of them. I, I think Eric Bledsoe is a backup point guard. For all the physicality that he has, the fact that he's built like an NFL safety, that he might eat weights. That's cool to look at, but I judge players on what they do. The last two postseasons, Eric Bledsoe has shot 30% from the field, 20% from three. That's what I look at. That's what I was concerned with. And I, I thought that Coach Bud would make an adjustment. I don't think you can play the way you play in the regular season. There has to be a heightened sense of urgency. You have to know. Teams will play you differently, will attack you in different ways on both ends. Playing Lopez and and Giannis together I I thought was a mistake. At some point, I thought he would put Giannis at the five and play small around him. Pretty much is what the Heat do. The Heat don't really play with the power forward. They play with Bam and four guards. And I thought at some point you'd have to match that. I don't care if you start Connington or, or DiVincenzo. But you had to find a way to play small. And to put Giannis in better positions, you should have just played him at the 5. He's a 5. It's funny because Brook Lopez obviously is a much bigger man. But Brook Lopez plays like a pick-and-pop 4. He doesn't play like a 5. He has the ability to post. But you can't do that with him and Giannis on the floor. You should have staggered their minutes. I don't think it changes the outcome in this series. I know, yes, I agree the coach could have made some adjustments, but there are some things that no stat line can show you. And I thought when you start talking about what's in your chest, I thought Miami played with more heart. I thought Miami was the more physical, the more aggressive team throughout the series. I always thought that Milwaukee seemed like they were staggered that they were on their heels, and I don't know if the pressure of being the guy in terms of being the two-time MVP, which Giannis will be, weighed on him to a degree. I could tell that he was trying to be aggressive, but when you're trying to force the issue and there are three guys waiting on you, you're just a turnover waiting to happen. He has holes in his game which is why I always tell people the most impressive thing about him is with holes in his game, even in this series, he averaged 22 points, 11 rebounds, and five assists. They have to commit to him and play him, maybe not the entire game at the five, but predominantly at the five. I think he's still going to get bigger and stronger, but he's got to add something to his game. Yes, his game has holes in it offensively. I don't think he has to shoot the ball from three like Chris Middleton or even a George Hill. I think he has to develop, much like Ben Simmons needs to develop, just a consistent mid-range jump shot. And he should get better in the post. Really what Giannis does is he attacks facing you up, but he's got to learn how to play better with his back to the basket. He's got to develop another aspect to his offensive package. He is a gifted player, but still very raw, which makes him that much more impressive. I don't question whether he can be your guy. I just think you have to recognize what he is. And I've said this a billion times. He's a center. You put perimeter talent or at least one unique perimeter talent around a gifted post player. They make the comparison all the time, so let's go with this. Shaq is Shaq, or should I say Giannis, is Shaq 50 or 60 pounds smaller, which all the more impressive about how great Shaq was. But he's a center, and he needs to develop his low post game. Yes, he needs a dynamic talent on the wing. I like Chris Middleton, but he's your third guy. You need your second guy. You need someone in the backcourt. I don't care if he can score 20 a game. You need someone who can break down defenses and get other people easy looks. They lack that on this team. They played through a system, but when you get to the playoffs, the floor shrinks and Milwaukee plays up-tempo. Take them out of being in the open floor. Make them play where they have to walk it up and execute. They're a different team. And I think the same applies to their defense. When you can spread them out and you can expose their lack of athleticism and quickness on the perimeter, they're a completely different team. They were scrambling the entire series. As far as is Giannis staying or leaving, he said he's staying. I'm going to take the guy at his word. What I will say is this, though. If he stays, unless they can pull off a trade and get a dynamic talent there, he is signing up to not win a title in the foreseeable future. That's just a harsh reality. I know he said we should all get better in the offseason. You can get better, bro. You're 25. You're a talented dude. And even even with all the holes in your game, you're the MVP. But – George Hill is who he is. Eric Bledsoe's not going to get better. He's 30. Wesley Matthews is 33. Marvin Williams has retired. Corver's going to be 39. Connington, you can find a Connington at every Walmart. I I guess my point is you don't have the talent around you to just say, we're going to get better. Brooke Lopez is a solid player. He's 31, going to be 32. He'll be a solid player next year. What you need is another star. And I, or maybe should I say even a superstar, a star or a superstar. Look, Chris Middleton's very good. Like I said, he's your third guy. You could use this comparison: Chris Middleton is your Tobias Harris for whatever that's worth. You need a dynamic perimeter talent, be it someone around your age or even a a proven veteran like a Chris Paul or someone like that who can get you into your offense and can create for himself when everything else breaks down. So, yes, it's 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 a non, it doesn't take an Einstein to know. Of course, Miami, even though they just beat them, would be interested in acquiring Giannis, as well as the Clippers and the Warriors, and probably most teams in the NBA. How realistic is that? I'm not sure it's as realistic as people think. Obviously, he is under contract through next season. Yes, he can do what AD said and and, and just go, yo, I'm not signing that extension. He's going to turn down that $200 million, uh, more power to him. He can do that. But once he does that, obviously Milwaukee knows they've got to make a decision on when to move him because if they let him get into free agency that following offseason – He can just walk and they'll get no value in return. So yes, they will have to move him if he notifies them that he's not going to extend. Now, do the Heat have the pieces to get Giannis? Unless you're trading Bam, no. Bam is probably the closest thing. He's very similar in skill set to Giannis, except that he already has a little bit of a mid-range. And I think Miami plans on max and bam out in a way just from a basketball standpoint if you have bam out of bio even though i still think even though he's raw that Giannis is the better player their skill sets are too similar i don't see how you could play with both of them on the floor you would have major spacing issues that that wouldn't work so if miami truly wants Giannis, i have to assume that means that bam is coming back in return if golden state Once Giannis and Milwaukee is open to it, they're sending, obviously, their lottery pick along with, I'm going to assume, Andrew Wiggins and another piece or two. If the Clippers who could very well win the title, let's say the Clippers win it all. You're going to trade Paul George and some other pieces to get Giannis who just helped you win a title. I'm not I'm not sure that's gonna happen. I will I will say it's not impossible because as long as Jerry West is part of Clipper Nation, is up in that front office, Jerry West is always forward thinking. And if Jerry West says, even though we just won the title, adding Giannis for PG-13 and some other pieces, I would look, I would actually say this: it'd be weird that you just won the title and you would make that move but Giannis would probably make them better if you've got Kawhi and you could add some other pieces because I think that, remember, the Clippers, they've got a lot of decisions to make themselves this offseason. Montrez Harrell is a free agent. He's looking for a big payday. And Reggie Jackson and Morris, they have a lot of free agents on that team, and they're not going to be able to pay everybody. Outside of Lou Will, Kawhi, in PG-13, most of their key pieces are free agents. But back to the Bucs situation. There's going to be rumors about Giannis going here or going there all through the rest of these playoffs, all through the offseason, all through the beginning of next season. Unless something dramatic happens and he just notifies Bucks for an office, I'm not going to extend. I'm not coming back. You need to move me. That would open up the floodgates. But for right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off of what he said. He intends to return. I believe he's going to return. Now, does that mean he's going to sign the extension? That's anybody's guess. My guess is if he truly returns, he will sign a short extension. There's no way Giannis, if he doesn't believe he can win a title in Milwaukee, is going to stay in Milwaukee into his 30s. One more thought on what Giannis may or may not do. Remember, he has all the leverage. The Bucks front office could very well end up making a deal with Dallas or the Orlando Magic. If he doesn't want to go there, he will notify them ahead of time. Yes, they can trade for me, but I'm only going to be there the remainder of that season and then I'm bouncing. So much like Anthony Davis, Giannis can dictate where he wants to go or not want to go. Now, the Bucs don't have to play along. They can say, well, we'll just keep you to the end of the season and let you go into free agency. But if they make that mistake, they will lose him outright and get nothing in return. So he has all the leverage. If there's a scary team that people should look out for, it's not Miami. It's the Mavericks. They have the pieces. They have some picks. I could see them getting him. Let's say he does just wait the Bucs out. If he becomes an outright free agent after next season, I don't think he goes to Miami. I think there's a real chance he goes to Golden State or to the Mavericks. Can you imagine Luka, Przingis, and Giannis? That would be a problem. In the West, the picture is much clearer. The Clippers are up 3-1 on this very talented young Nuggets team. Of their six top players, they're 25 or younger. Take away a veteran like Paul Millsap, who's 34, Denver's one of the youngest teams in the NBA, and of the young, talented teams, they're by far the most talented team. Jokic is only 24. Murray's 22. Porter's 21. Let's not forget what they're going to get next season with another year under his belt from Bo Bowl and P.J. Dozier. The future for Denver is insanely bright in terms of talent. What I would tell people to do is, they still have to distinguish their identity. I don't know what the Nuggets' identity is. I know that when Jokic is aggressive, when when the Joker makes up his mind to score, he's going to get buckets. In this series versus the Clippers, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. And as impressive as those numbers are, I would tell you, you need more from him. He needs to be more selfish. He needs to be averaging upwards of 30. Jamal Murray has struggled, but to be fair, the Clippers have made him their point of emphasis. They have attacked him with multiple defenders from Paul George to Kawhi Leonard to Morris to even Pat Bev, and they're trapping him. So they've made him the guy they want to Take away. If you're going to accept the fact that you can't guard the Joker, then I guess they said they're going to take away Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr., you can see the talent, but you can also see how raw he is and how young he is because they exploit him defensively because he gets mixed up in coverages. He's easy to pick off. He'll fall for a pump fake. He's just young, and he'll get better over time. Gary Harris, still not 100%. Monte Morris has been solid. I think he needs more minutes. Jeremy Grant struggled shooting, but he's been very good defensively versus the Clippers. This is just one of those series where the veteran team, with the best player in the series in Kawhi Leonard, averaging 24 points, 9 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 2 steals, almost 2 blocks. They've just worn down the younger team. You can make a case if you went man for man, Denver is every bit as talented as the Clippers. When you look at the roster of the Clippers, though, most of these guys, they're not just talented. They've been in the playoffs. They're tested. There's a mental edge, a mental toughness. They've been there before. In the other West semifinal, the Rockets find themselves tonight on the verge of being in the same situation as the Nuggets. If they go down 3-1 tonight versus the Lakers, you knew coming into this series, Anthony Davis, LeBron James were going to get their numbers. I said they could get their numbers, but if they don't get help from their role players, if the guys don't make shots, they could lose. They could actually lose to the Rockets, and they've gotten their numbers. Anthony Davis, LeBron James are giving you 56 points a game, 20 rebounds. 10 assists, three steals, and four blocks combined. The X factor, it hasn't been Kyle Kuzma, who was better the last game. It's been Rajon Rondo. Rondo's not only given them buckets, but he's given them something the Lakers desperately need, which is another facilitator, someone who can create offense. Matter of fact, if you take away points and just talk about Rondo's ability to set people up and his defense, that would be plenty. But the fact that he's also given you 13 points a game the last two games combined, along with shooting 40% from three, Rondo has been the X factor. He's also guarded James Harden. No, Rondo can't stop James Harden, but he has bothered him. He has stolen the ball from him. He's gotten under and skin. The difference in this series, it's not so cut and dry that LeBron and AD are obviously the better duo, which they are. What's cut and dry is Rondo has made the biggest contribution. The Lakers' team defense has been better, but they've had to. They had to adjust after game one. They're trapping James Harden more. Every time he gets the ball past half court, they're trapping him or they're pressing him full court, to take the ball out of his hands, which is very smart. If Russell Westbrook is not going to attack, if he's going to settle for threes, they will in fact go up 3-1 tonight. If you look at numbers, Russ is averaging 21, 10, and 5 for the series. But he's also taken 16 threes. If you're Mike D'Antoni, that's 16 threes too many. Russell Westbrook should take zero threes. Attack, attack, attack. The problem is when he attacks and he gets to the foul line, you've got to make your free throws. Russ is only shooting 54% from the foul line. Eric Gordon is the Rockets X factor. I would make the argument that Eric Gordon should take as many shots as Russell Westbrook. He's played that well in this series. If the Rockets want to stay in this series, if they want to put pressure on the Lakers, you you can accept the fact, if you're Mike D'Antoni, that Braun and AD are going to get numbers. You cannot let Rondo put up the kind of numbers that he's put up the last two games. And Russell Westbrook has to play like a superstar. Yes, Covington, Tucker, Green, Daniel House, they're all very important. But you need Russ and James Harden, along with Eric Gordon, to attack. You can't guard Anthony Davis, but you can get into him. I think P.J. Tucker, Covington, they're going to have to trap A.D. harder and make him settle for jump shots because whenever he posts or attacks the post, it's automatic. It's buckets. LeBron, whenever he makes up his mind to go to the basket, buckets. The Rockets can't stop their two best players but they need to take something away. Take Rondo away, take Kuzma away, make Caldwell-Polk, shoot more. They have to do something because if the game goes like it has the last two games, if this series takes that trend, they're going to go down 3-1, and this series will be over over the weekend. <laughs> on the next show, we're talking conference finals. We'll look at the matchups. I'll make my picks. On a side note, fam, Cap is on Madden. It's the NBA Cypher. Next time.